I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by Working Actor Pro. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Before the Break. This week, we're so excited to meet our guest. He's been a series regular on the Hulu show Complete Works. He can also be seen in Lena Dunham's new film, Sharp Stick, which just premiered at Sundance Film Festival, as well as on Netflix in the Oscar-nominated film, Don't Look Up. Please welcome to the show, Ben Seidel. Hi, Ben. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Where are you right now, Ben? You look. You, it looks like you have wonderful greenery behind. Are you in LA? I am in LA. Okay. You know, I'm when we've been the... talking to people, they're like, "I'm in my uncle's place. I'm at my mother's. house. I'm in Alaska, and I'm I just went home. You know, whatever." But totally, um, totally. No, did I you am go home in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Did you travel for COVID, like to get out of whatever market that you were in at that point? Um. Only for don't look up. So. Don't oh, so you just you you stayed. This was your home the whole time through COVID. You okay? Great. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, my boyfriend and I lived with my sister for the first half of COVID, um, and we had lived with her for a couple of years prior to that, um, and it really like tested the boundaries of our sibling dynamic. I was just going to ask you because I, <laughs> I I I stayed with my sister for five or six months out of the kindness of her heart. Um, you know, and, and so you get it. Totally. Yeah. Let's move and on. My sister I'm, is I'm like, kidding. I'm kidding. She's the most amazing thing. It was, I was the problem. Fair. I mean, I won't say that I was the problem, but I won't <laughs> say that I was the solution either. Like my sister's my best friend. I love her so much. Yeah. But I think in general, living with your sibling as an adult, and then you add a significant other on top of that, like That's he's a saint. Yeah. Like the fact that he did that is like, crazy she's so, like ben you can go he can stay right pretty much. that's how my that sister was probably pretty was much like how it ended so we were like okay we're just gonna like we're gonna leave and, ah. and get out of your hair so oh uh, wow okay yeah all right well um there's some exciting stuff going on in your life man and and we will absolutely get to it but uh you're an east coast guy boston yeah mm-hmm. that's where everything started um yeah, in the city exactly. or were you in those burbs um, so I was born in uh, Brookline, yeah. if you're familiar. I'm not Brookline, Brookline. I've never heard. It's like five minutes outside. It's like it. one of the the Jew hubs of the city. I'm I'm uh, a Jew. Interesting. Okay, I'm married uh, to one. So okay, my, congratulations. My Welcome Thank to the you. tribe. Very very happy. Very happy. Yes. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So Boston born and bred. And I then, can see Greenpoint from my apartment. Does that count? Yeah. Man, you're no, you're closer than I am right now. So it counts. <laughs> give it to you. So tell <sighs> us, tell us about um, quickly, like growing up, and we, I'm always very interested because the, the, the journey starts after eight years old-ish when your consciousness starts creeping in and you're starting to weigh in what you want to do. You're looking around your environment, which more often than not is not conducive to what, what you want to do. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of friction sometimes. So what, what was your upbringing like as, as you started to go through adolescence? 
Um, well, my my mom uh, was a producer of documentary films and music videos and commercials. So I grew up kind of um, steeped in the business adjacent, you know, grew up in Boston, but was often in LA with her for jobs and whatnot. My paternal grandfather was a screenwriter. Did you tell your friend, be honest, did you tell your friends, you're like, you guys want to come over to the, like a, a slumber party or whatever? And you're like, ah, I got to go to LA. I got to go to LA. What can know? you do? I don't know. My mom's on a shoot. Yeah, she's on a shoot. I'm so sorry. Like, I can't bring anyone else. <laughs> He's putting no, in his, I, his. I was not that child, but I, I, I hope to be in a future life. So right, okay. <laughs> so you were uh, kind of int- introduced to uh, an unconventional line of work, yeah, fairly, fairly young. And did you think, okay, that's behind the camera stuff is really cool, or were you just like absolutely dead set on being oh, part of the show? Set. I was yeah. dead set from like seven years old on. See, I said eight. Um, that's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. I- I remember. And did you know actor or just business in general? You didn't know yet. You were just like, I like all of this and I'm going to do something in it. Or you were like, I want to be in front of the camera. Well, I thought storyteller. Um, and then, you know, I think the most like easily accessible way to, to think of that at that age, at least is as an actor, because it's the representation of the story. Um, and I remember like seven years old, my first summer at sleepaway camp, um, the like senior campers were doing a production of Greece. And I remember just thinking it was like the coolest thing. Like mm. sitting in the front row and just being like, I have to do that, you know? Um, and that was really like, you know, of all of the memories I have of being seven years old, that's the one that really comes to mind, like the forefront of my mind. Um, specifically when you think about like, oh, okay, when did I get like bit by this bug? When was the And thank God that you, thank God that like your camp back then, I feel like art was just kind of a staple in every classroom or whatever. And now it's like, well, we don't have, you know, the teachers are spending all their money on like buying books for their kids. So there's not really a budget for things, but it seems like everybody that we, that we, interview including adam and i at one point in our childhood were either on a school trip at camp or whatever or in a choir a lot of church especially oh, broadway right. it's a lot of choir so it's introduced to you so young and you'd think oh does it really matter like let the kids play basketball and whatever oh, God, it but matters. It that's matters. that's when it starts right so it wow, matters like i had it and i wish i had had more of it like i my, this camp was a sailing camp so like it wasn't even like you struck me as a nautical type. You did the sweater. It's like up. Oh, just make it cream. The cable and put them on a yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm just I'm giving you some East Coast realness on this uh, this Los Angeles afternoon. He doesn't change, man. So no. You know. you can take <laughs> well, in LA, if it's below Boston. sixty, it's chilly. Yeah, it's, it's a little chilly. It's supposed to get Sorry, this today. Yeah, it's forty. I know, I know. We're like yes, it's forty-three degrees. It's hot outside. No, no, thank it's you. It's so nice today, isn't it, Ben? It is. It's like lovely. I was like, oh my God, I can feel the sun. Yep. Lovely. Uh, okay. So you saw Greece. You weren't in it, though. No, I was you? not. I right. was not in it, but I was in the show the next summer. Okay. And that was? Uh, that was 
a musical adaptation of The Wizard of Oz stage play. So not the movie musical. I don't even, all I know is I was cast as, okay, so there was a tree. No, it was not a tree. I was not a tree. I've never been a tree. Not that there's anything wrong with the tree. Yeah, no, no, no small parts, right? No small parts. Um, I was cast. The part, the part that I played was originally named Jade, and she was the maid of the Wizard of Oz, like of the castle. The help, but they like yes, the help. So you're like, is this a read? They turned the part into a butler. So I was Jado, but like. I, I, you know, I was Jade in my heart. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 we can keep Jade. Yeah, I was you like, know, I want know, that outfit. Fine. I want that I, outfit. I identify in, in both lanes. We're good. Right. We're good. I want to look like Rosie from the Jetsons. Yes, please. Plugs and, and all. And, and I assume it wasn't awful. So, you know, you, you obviously ended up pursuing it. But um, yeah, through, no, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And, and then, then, you know, back in Boston during the school year, I like joined a bunch of like children's theater troops and I did uh Boston Children's Opera and I'm a singer as well. Uh so I did that growing up and then a couple of different troops in Boston. Um yeah and I just it was kind of like uh, a no-brainer. It's like okay cool so where am I what show am I doing and what program am I doing this summer or you know uh this fall or this winter whatever etc cetera, et cetera. right and did you know at that point this was what I'm going to do? Definitely. Yeah. I've never, so, so, I like never had a doubt in my mind. Right. Okay. And and when you had to make choices, I mean, really make a choice to start that, which is usually college or, or you know after high school. Um, what was going on in your head? What specifically did you want to do? Did you choose a college that was based um, on what you wanted to do? I hear you went to a real piece of shit institution. Um, which one? Did you he go went to, to fucking Harvard? He went to oh, USC and he went to Harvard. Cool. I was like, I went to USC. I was like, did you, are you a Bruin? Like what's happening? Ah, no, it's um, a great school, but Harvard's a great school too. You obviously yes, did very well is. academically. Um, I, I think the decision-making process really started like this. Wow. My hair started. Wow, get this that summer, down. Tame that shit. Woo, daddy. <laughs> the summer before my junior year, my mom was like, we got to start talking about college. Like maybe you shouldn't, go to camp anymore. Maybe like we should do a program that feels more geared toward helping you get into school, which I kicked and screamed about, but she was correct. Um, and so the, <laughs> so the two summers prior to college, I did an acting program in Paris through Tish, um, Hello. Through the experimental Hello. theater wing. And then the next summer I did cherubs which is an acting program for high school kids through Northwestern on the Northwestern campus. Gotcha. Wow. Um, both were amazing and super, super formative uh, in very different ways. Um, and then when it came time to apply for college, um, my mom was super adamant that I not do a conservatory suck. program. Oh. Well, yes, not suck. But also not do a conservatory program. She was very much like, you need a full, well-rounded education. You never know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and my stipulation was like, get me the, as far the fuck away from Boston as possible. Um, so I ended up getting into USC, which was um, 
my first choice. Nice. And I was like so beyond ecstatic to get out of Boston, but also to like move to Los Angeles, which I had known in glimpses through my mom, but had always like fantasized about what living there would be like. Yeah. Dance shoes in a, in a, uh, what are they called? In chapstick. Arrived in what? And waiting for Guffman, he said, "I arrived in in New York with nothing but a dance belt oh, and a tuba chapstick." Okay, so um, was it like that? You you got out of the the cab or what? And you're like, "This is it. I'm ready to do this." Were you scared? What? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think like the first night of college, I like called my mom and I was like, "I'm not made for that." Yeah, it's, I'm like terrified. And then like the next day, I made friends and. Uh, you know, never look back. I mean, I was I was lucky in college. I got into a show my first semester, which was a production of Assassins, uh, the Stephen Sondheim musical. And I played Sam Bick. Um, and it was um, an unbelievable experience. I ended up meeting like, you know, four or five of my still to this day closest friends in that show. Um it like it was the first time that I I had always wanted to be an actor and I knew that it was what I wanted to do, but it was the first time I I took acting seriously. Um, in regards to like my viewpoint on the material, in terms of like really understanding storytelling and really understanding like how how theater is a puzzle and how important every piece is to uh, telling the story that both the playwright is intending for you to tell, but also executing a director's vision. Um, Yeah, I mean, I love that show so much. It's so dark and twisted and so honest and real. And I think like is scary for so many people because of the subject matter. Um, But, you know, that's when I like, I fell in love with playing villains. Uh, so is that the- moment where it's it it becomes uh, respecting the art form as opposed to like this is fun. It's and I'm fun good and it's what you do. It's what you do in the summer and it's like a you know extracurricular activity. And then you go oh yeah. oh wow. I understand and appreciate the the art form and I understand that this is art and now I have a whole other level of expectation and viewpoint yeah. on it and also like you know, fully starting to understand the humanity involved in acting and, you know, how cool it is and how fortunate we are to be able to, you know, get into somebody's shoes and get into a character's head and, you know, take ourselves with us, but also learn about disparate things that we in our current worldview may not be able to be exposed to. And this is where, this is where academia comes into play because a lot of people want to say, Hey, I want to take a couple now that COVID I want to take some online like digital workshops. And I want to, you know, a lot of students that are hoping to get to be an actor without Mm -hmm. having to go to like, you know, a conventional institution. And I don't think that you should have to go to a four year college, but there's something about the, the structure of something that an institution like that, that really does pluck you from this is fun and puts you right in the pool of th- there's a lot more than totally. what you think. 
and and it, it forms your mind. It and whatever it is, if it's if you're taking the math class, you're taking the social, the whatever class, this philosophy, your mind is being is being evolved and opened and that whole experience is really, really important. Yeah, you might have to do something for two years or four years and not hit the market yet, but it really does go a long way. And, speak, and you could always that. tell somebody who's educated and who just kind of jumped in. Totally. And I will also say, Tommy, I think like the one of the words that you used that I think is important to highlight is the idea of structure because this industry is so unstructured, specifically from like from an actor's standpoint. You know, there, there is no like, there is no structure, correct way to do anything. Like there's no like, okay, well, if you do A, B and C, you'll get to D. Like it doesn't work like that at all. So it's nice and important. I think when you're getting introduced to the art of all of this, to realize that and find comfort in the structure that um, an institution like college or, you know, a professional training program can give you. Because otherwise you're going to be getting this and then you're absorbing <laughs> that. And then it's, I mean, there's nothing. And you also go, this is what I'm doing for this allotted time. Yes. Right. The next four years, I know where I'm going to be. And right. it's 2008 and the world market just crashed, but at least I know I'm going to be in school for four years or right. whatever. And then when you're done, you're like, Oh fuck! It's my last year. What, what, what do now I? Now I gotta go. Well, and, what and do I do it now? Also, <laughs> it also gives you the time to be like, do I want to do this? Like to really yeah. try it on, and like you know, it's it's. It, I mean, collegiate theater and acting is like not even close to pursuing it professionally, but it is it is like a poo poo platter of like an experience in terms of like, well, you get to audition for things and see like, how do you deal with rejection? And when you do get the opportunity, how do you deal with the anxiety of that? How do you deal with competition? How do you deal with, you know, memorization? You know, I have a lot of friends that have a very difficult time memorizing. And like, that was a huge learning for them in grad school when I got my MFA at Harvard. Like one of my closest friends in particular, like to this day is I love you, Alex, the worst memorizer I've ever come in contact with. Like literally, it's just not, he just can't do it. Hey, Marlon Brando used to tape lines to his, you know, scene partner's chest. Yeah, so yeah, so somebody's yeah. like, so what's, what's your number? He's like eight, five, hold on. Eight. Hold no, on, I mean, lit like, <laughs> literally though. So, um, <laughs> and isn't that we, uh, we we arrive at a place in our you know later later in in life say your late twenties thirties forties and we tend to think like wow it feels natural it's sort of intuitive and the way I'm doing things oh wow I didn't it's kind of not easy but it's just kind of natural and instinctive but really I have to go back and say no 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 you you took improv classes at fourteen you went to school for four years and then you spent ten years going through workshop after workshop after workshop. Yeah. And a lot of actors just think, oh, I can just hop on and I can do it. It does feel instinctual now because we were trained so well, but we totally. can, we have to remember it was like, now. it was all given to us, you know, and yeah. it was worked hard for. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, and I think that's, that's also something that like, I don't know about you guys, but like sometimes it's frustrating 
to me in the audition process. And I'm like, wow, like I have, you know, 10 plus years of training and like, I got, I got a three, three word side, like, you know, like I, I specifically for me, it was or the non-speaking co-star and you're like, I got a fucking like, MFA, man. Li- literally. It's like, <laughs> I spent bills like for my education, which I don't regret, but like right after grad school, it was like, I, I'm a classically trained actor. Like, I performed Shakespeare and Chekhov for the past two and a half years. And like, I'm delivering a pizza. But are you doing it with a grateful heart knowing, yeah, man, I burned for this and I'm going to do this. No small parts and all that bullshit. Well, that's the thing. But, you know, that's the thing. You gotta it's, love important. It. it's important to like, keep the perspective of like, it's a choice. You know, and I, and I like often have these conversations with friends, like we choose to pursue this every day and it is because of the love and the gratitude to pursue your dream, you know? And like, I know so many people that like take them, take their choice out of the equation and victimize the idea of like, oh, it's so hard. And like, you know, I don't, well, like what's happening? And it's like, no, 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 we're choosing to pursue a very, very difficult career with so many ups and downs. That's interesting. We haven't explored that really, but, but there's a, there's an article right now that said it was like Instagram and Facebook may be taken away from Europe. And it was like BBC through, and then a bunch of comments of people from Europe saying, good about time, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? It was on Facebook. The other comments were saying, you know, if you don't like it, you can just get off. Like, I know you all hate Facebook of Instagram. Why are you on it? But it's like, you, you get you're an at, you're at an EPA. You're doing another short film. You have a year of a drought. You whatever. Mm-hmm. Are you going to complain or did you choose to get up every day and take your number and be here? It's totally. part of it, and we it's we part, think that it's, it's supposed to be the good stuff, and it's not. And that doesn't mean that there aren't like incredibly dark days. Oh, there you are. Know. Oh my god. god. You know, and like Ben, you said, there's no structure, so it is constantly a choice of. I want to do this and I'm going to do this because there isn't, I mean, unless you're incredibly fortunate and then like the top 1% of working actors, there's so much gap and time between your job. So it is constantly a, I mean, I film, I I want to do this. I'm going to do another week. (laughs) I filmed, don't look up a year ago, uh, the middle of January. And I haven't been on set since. You know, yeah. And and I, I, my last movie was Skeletons, Adam, a year and a half ago. I just got off set from St. Louis. Like j- that was a year and a half of like nothing. And you know what? After years and years in this business, it's like, well, yeah, but this is my time to not work. Time to for war. Time for peace. Time for this. Time for that. This is just part of it. Mm-hmm. And when am I going to get to that point where it's like, oh no, this is the this is just part of the game. And luckily, this past drought, it was just like. Yeah. And it's fine because I'm working on other things and it's okay. A hundred percent, you know, and it's like, and I also think a lot of people have the expectation of like, you know, you book, you're fortunate enough to get cast and to show up and do your work in a movie that gets nominated for an Oscar. And that like, that opens like a hallway of doors and like, it it may open a couple, but like you still got to walk through the those doors. 
Like, you know, and like that doesn't, it's not, it doesn't get easier. Like maybe the pathway changes shape a, a little, but like it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant, you know, internal conversation and a constant, um, I don't want to say battle because that has like a, I think it's a battle, man. I think it's a big war, you know, and and I'm a battle with myself and I'm at battle with, you know, and, and if you do it wrong, yeah, you'll consider it a battle, but I, I do. But the thing is, it's like, it's like storming the beach at Normandy. Yeah. This fucking sucks. But you know what? I love my country. I like this world, how it is and not taken over by Nazis. So it's, it's, you just kind of have to, um, we're we're a war right now. You're what right now. (laughs) Um, you, you have the, um, your, your desire and your love for it has to eclipse the little shitty things that are peppered along your day, week, year, whatever. Right. I mean, so, so your, um, your love for it developed out of college. Of course, you're looking at what's next. We do have that, the last year where you're like, okay, we've been talking about this forever. Now it's time to do something. So what was the, what were the steps as you were getting that diploma? Did you have auditions, showcases? Did you know where you were going to go? Um, I knew I was staying in LA. I had to date the worst um, agent meeting of my life. Oh, let's hear about that. <laughs> Yes, do tell. (laughs) I mean, like, I mean, it was at Daniel Hoff. I don't even know if I should say that. It was at Daniel Hoff in the musical theater department. Like, whatever. I don't care. Um, The agent that I met with, whose name will... um, Will just keep out. And now, is this from a showcase at USC? That this connection... I, I played the baker in Into the Woods in my senior musical at USC. Um, so this was from that. And Great. at the time in college, you know, like we often get to play parts that are out of our age range. So like all of the parts that I had like thought of for myself that I was like, Oh, I could play this. I could play this. Oh my God. This is a dream part. I just remember I went into this meeting and he was like, okay, cool. So like, where do you see yourself? And I was like, well, like, I think like really when I'm 35, I'm going to like start to hit a stride. And I'm 22 at the time. That's what I said. <laughs> he's also like come back 40. then. He literally, he's like, so what can we do tomorrow? And I was like, oh, spring awakening. <laughs> spring awakening. So, um, <laughs> so he, he was not the most. He patient. goes, I love that for you. Yeah. He was like, what do you want me to do? Good luck. Um, you know, which is, which is fair. I mean, I, I think like, I think part of the failing of a university setting is they don't prepare you for the business aspects of this industry. What? Now I wanted to ask you about this because you not only went to USC, but Harvard, was that statement true at both institutions? He's so, nodding yes, by the way. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If, yeah, I'm I'm nodding for the people that are listening. Fucking to this. hell. Um. So, so wild. What the so fuck is that? Just, I mean, what is? Because those are both are very pre- prestigious. Yeah. Uh, let's just say sought after institutions to go get your drama education at. Yeah. And how wild is it that it is purely ninety nine percent 
you know, the craft of being an actor and your work as an actor, the art side. I totally get it. But how in the fuck are you supposed to go to a place like this, spend all of that money, get this incredible training, and you don't get a lick of the business side of it, which is no, it's insane. when you're out of school, more than half the battle. It's like if you're because studying that's, medicine that's the, um, and you're it, just it, taking like, tests and not operating on anyone. You're not it's given insane. that. It's, it's like infuriating. Why? And on top of that, I was my I was the only person in my grad school class that had lived in Los Angeles. So I became a source of information, which I was obviously happy to be, but like, you know, when I was in LA prior to grad school, I was doing musical theater. Like, you know, I was and I was you know, I had an agent here or there or a manager here or there. And like, you know, it was really, um, you're hot shit. I mean, you were from LA. You're like, you think this Coke is good? Please. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but, but the fact that like there were moments when I had classmates asking me about Los Angeles in, in regards to like very, very, um, important industry questions when you are in a setting like Harvard, when they should and do have access to a plethora of industry professionals is insane. Um, you know, and what was the gap between USC and so, going to so get your I, MFA? I was, I was out of school for three years. Um, and I had always wanted a um, conservatory degree program and my mom had in college told me that I shouldn't. And I'm a mama's boy, so I listened. Mm -hmm. um, but you had your diploma at that point. So then it's yeah, like, that's for no. you. You it know, more like, it's like, I got the school also, for your parents. And then you yeah. go to like a program where it's like, you know, this is for me to be the totally. best fucking actor totally. I can be for the future. Yeah. I also went to Harvard and I'm from Boston. So like that didn't hurt like everyone swallowing the pill that I was going back to school. Um, oh, well, if you're moving home, well, well <laughs> that, but also like, you know, Harvard. growing up in Boston, you're like fed the Ivy league spoon of like, right. This exactly. is where like you go if you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, all of that nonsense. So yeah, I went back to school, um, in that program. And after, after three years, I want to ask, what, what's the mentality of like three years outside of your undergrad going, okay, I want to go back into academia, you know, I've at such been, a level. I've always been a, um, uh, a hyper critical and analytical person. So I felt that there was something missing from my training. I felt mm -hmm. that there were uh, closets inside of me that I didn't know how to open. Um, and I. What was knew, missing? What, what did you know that you needed that you didn't have? Well, first of all, I was in the closet. Okay. Um, you were literally in so a literal okay, closet. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but but gotcha. more, more, than, more than that. I Wait, mean, you're I was, gay? I. I I am a homosexual. He said boyfriend, but I thought he meant girlfriend. I, and now I know. Okay, go ahead. Um, I, first of all, I think as an actor, the most important thing, and I 
would gather that both of you would agree is having a deep understanding for yourself as a human being, how you feel, how you think, how you move, how you process, how you self-aware. Yeah. You got to be super self-aware. So there was all a chunk of me that was like, you hide in something boy, like go somewhere where they're going to pull it out of you. Wow. There was a part of it's incredibly intuitive and brave to, go seek that, which I think is incredibly admirable because a lot of times it's like, uh, I don't know how to come to terms with that. And I don't know what to do. And you were like, no, 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 no. go do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Go do something about it. It was very clear to me. um, It was very clear to me that I was hiding something even from myself yeah. I was actually, I was in a relationship with a woman at the time. Um, and I, uh, that relationship was like, not a good relationship in general, regardless of my sexuality. It was a very, very unbalanced, um, borderline abusive situation. Um, but on top of that, when you add in the fact that I was really hiding from myself in regards to my sexuality, like it was very clear that the situation that I was in, I needed to get out of. So I think all of that together was um, a way for me to quiet the anxiety of, Oh God, am I going to get exposed for who I really am? And to just force myself to jump and to leap. Because, like, cellularly, I knew that I needed um, a catalyst to make that change in my life. Because I wasn't... You won't do it yourself. Yeah. It's very difficult to do yourself. And sometimes we use something else to get us, get it out of us. And 100%. Wow. And so it obviously, um, that that process... worked in some, in some way, um, totally through, through those, what was it? A two year program two and a half. It's like two two in a summer. And, and Um, was that more hands-on and you were really, Oh my God. Like that was like 16 hour days. The second semester we lived. So perfectly prepping you for, uh, on camera work. Yes, actually very much. So, um, yeah. So, like, the, the sorry, Ben, for such a long day. I went to Harvard. Please, fine, I can do it. <laughs> I've had long days. I'm, I'm accustomed to this. Um, so, <laughs> the second second semester we spend in Russia, in Moscow, at the Moscow Art Theater School, um, mm, studying like all of the um, like Russian masters. So, like, it's the birthplace wow. of Stanislavski and Chekhov and all of that stuff. So, um, you know. that felt like a war, you know, like learning not only, you know, all of these things about myself, but also coming into contact with a new culture and, you know, Russians are very, very different than Americans and their theater is very, very different and it is brilliant. Like we would, we would be sitting in these, epic productions that were in in russian fully in russian right but in you're russian. getting everything right because of how well they execute Every that, yeah. fucking beat 
Why, and, that's and that's crazy. what that's what they that's did so when, cool. when when there was Russian theater brought to Manhattan. People would go to these shows. I mean, this was a hundred years ago, and people would go to these shows. Nobody knew what what any Russian, but because these actors lived in their in total truth, and it was just so. It you know the, our physicality can so easily not only our physicality but our delivery too totally. can easily tell the story. And what does that tell you? It's like fuck the lines. Fully. And that I'm sure that was one of the great things that you took from Russia. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that like as an actor, you learn just as much from watching as you do from doing. Big time. Totally. You know, which is why like on set, I let I like I love to watch other people work. Yeah. Because yeah. I just think you first of all, everybody works so differently that like there's there's almost permission given in watching other people work because you get to be more creative in terms of your own prep and your own technique of like, oh, that's cool. Like I hadn't thought about approaching it this way, or like, ooh, like he did this. Like and, and I'll say a big don't for anyone who's getting into workshops and stuff. When you you're done with your scene and you're it's your turn to sit down and someone else go, do not go to your phone and do not zone out just because you're not like on it because most of this, you're actually going to be in your head while you're on stage. You're going to, you're not going to learn much at all actually, because you're going to be so freaking out. It it is about watching, learning from other people. And that's where your style can easily come from. Completely. And also realizing that in order to say, fuck the lines, you have to know the lines and not just know the lines. You have to know what's underneath the lines more. So absolutely. And I think, and I guess this connects to like the training conversation. I think oftentimes specifically in Los Angeles, that kind of training isn't instilled in people because, you know, this city is so much about commerce that oftentimes the underbelly of um, a playwright or a screenwriter is not discussed yeah, it's like subtext is totally thrown out the window. You're watching a scene, you're like, well, that's good acting, but it's not real. It's it, They said the lines, sure, but yeah. there's but nothing like, there's, below. There's, there's nothing. The verticality. Like, like you were saying, like in, in Russia, like I don't need to hear a word to understand where they are, who they are, what their relationships are to the people, places, and things around them. It's that clear, you know? And I think... I've studied, I've taken Larry Moss's workshop over a handful of times. And, you know, he is like a big Stella Adler uh, devotee and he's wonderful. And it was some of the best training I've ever had. Um, And it focuses so specifically on specificity and detail, you know, and detail in terms of like your relationship to your water bottle which like people don't think about, but like I hold my water bottle a specific way because it makes me feel a specific way, you know? And that in itself is something that could help me in a scene specifically when like, you know, uh, you're in the middle of COVID and uh, you're being like held in solitary. And all of a sudden you walk onto set and they're like, okay, this is Ariana Grande and Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, like all of a sudden I was like, cool. So this is my clipboard. And like, you know, I had done all of that work previously about like, you know, in, uh, embedding whatever I had at my fingertips with meaning, you know, to help ground myself. Like that's 
you know, that's what the work is, is like understanding that like everything in a room around you is important in regards to building a story. Right. If you think that you can, you can read the sides that you have and think that this is what you're supposed to do, you're missing about 60% of all the things that you're bringing in. When you come in, you should be kind of looking around for things to use and think, especially like, you know, in film and TV, it's like, welcome to set. We're going to roll in about 12 minutes. It's pretty quick, but you know, the, 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 the art comes from the organic implementation of things around you, people around you, what's here, what's that, you know, and it can add to the performance because it's not good enough. The lines just aren't good enough. There's so much more to, to use and people well, don't think that they beings. can use other we, we say so much more than what we actually say. We communicate right. so much more than what we actually say. Yeah. Sometimes that's really hard to, that stuff is hard to do in an audition where like you don't have set dressing around you. You don't have the desk that you're supposed to be sitting at and all the little things around you or the pen Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Cause it's like, you know, the frame needs to be this and I don't have a desk to put in front of me. And like, it's like the, the, for an audition, the frame has to be like so tight that, you know, they're not going to see all those little things. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, I, I wish I had like the set here. I I mean, I literally, every time I get an audition, I think to myself, okay, what would I have prop wise? And, you know, without like putting on a costume or like being fully propped out, I'm like, cool. So like this character is like at the beach with his husband, you know, talking to the pool boy, like I'm going to be in a book. I'm going to try and like, create exactly i'm gonna try and expand what isn't on the page while still like paying tribute to what the the writer has put yeah on the page for me you're adding you're adding never yeah. taking and yeah 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 exactly and like i and i think like you know and i've coached a lot of auditions and for other people and i i think that it is so important to create a sense of the world outside of the lines and yeah because we are you know here in an audition, like, and, and the viewer may not see everything doesn't mean that you shouldn't utilize everything that you have. Like, you know, if, like, if I have a, if I have my keys and they're like under the table, but I'm still playing with them, that's going to give me an internal life that is going to, that somebody's going to see through my eyes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise you don't have anything. You're just kind of stuck with this. Otherwise, you're saying words, random words. And you're like, should I blink? (laughs) Like, you know? And for line delivery, the Oscar goes to... I mean, like, come on. It's acting is more than that, of course. All right, wait, wait, wait. Now we're at... We have... I want to learn... I want to hear about how things are. No, we're, this is amazing. And I don't want to stop, but I also want to hear how you got out of college and started to hit the ground running. What did you, what did you hit? What walls did you hit being in LA? You're young. You just became gay. (laughs) Um, I mean, what, what happened there? What was your progress bar? Like. God, I want to start by saying that throughout this entire process, I have been in therapy. And I think it's really, really important for anybody pursuing this who thinks of themselves as like a highly analytical or critical human being, you need to be in therapy. Because like we've we've said before, it's a battle. 
And the battle is with yourself. Big time. It's in your head. And if you can't clear those pathways and you don't have help clearing those pathways, the battle becomes unbearable. And we're so, our own, we're own enemy where um, totally. you can be just fine on your road, but there's there's this thing in the back of your head that's fucking up everything. And yeah, you need to get it out. out of you 10, need, yeah, you need to hear something. out of 10, you don't hear anything back from an audition. And you don't know. And you feel like you're screaming into a void. And, you know, my first couple of years. Okay, so after grad school, I did. Sorry. After grad school, I did the out-of-town tryout for Waitress, the musical which ended up going to Broadway, um, which I did chose not to uh, pursue because it was um, an experience for me. Uh, I was a swing, whatever. I'm, I'm a singer who, I, I'm an actor who sings. I'm not a musician first. So that was really the deciding factor for me when I was like, okay, cool. Am I going to New York? Or am I going to LA? I, I did waitress and I was like, I'm going to LA. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like we're on home. So I got back to LA and I had signed with a manager uh, off of my showcase from grad school. Um, and you know, I was auditioning like uh, pretty regularly. Like I had a chemistry read for uh, a Comedy Central pilot. Like there were there were things starting to happen. Um, and then inevitably, like sometime, like mo- most often they stopped and the auditions that I was getting were uh, less well suited for me if I was getting them. Hmm. And I felt like I was, you know, spinning a wheel of like, well, what do I do? Because like, what, what's in my control, what's in my power to do. So I, you know, I got into a class and I took casting director workshops, which I have lots of thoughts and feelings on. And, you know, I I was trying to find a way to be actionable. Um, And then I got to a point where it was clear to me that my manager at the time wasn't, the person that I should be with. And this was, I think like about a year after grad school and I am um, a Scorpio. So like when I make a decision, I make a decision. And I was like, cool. So we're good. And like, thank you so much. This isn't working clearly, you know, no hard feelings to you. I really appreciate the opportunity, but like it ain't for us. Um, so then I had reached out to a couple of people that I had met and they ended up setting me up with, um, a manager who was at, uh, a literary office that was starting to take on, uh, talent theatrical. And you got that from a connection. I just want to reiterate you, you got a personal connection, which, which for those listening at home, your half of the stuff that you do and most of the stuff that you start with is going to be from some sort of connection that you made because you were assertive and aggressive and you went out there and did it. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'd say 85%, not in the beginning, like always it's, you know, the, the lesson that I keep learning is, is like, go and be social and meet people because the only way that you move forward in this industry is to meet people because people want to work with their friends. 
People want to work with people that they trust and they, they're going to want to be on set with for 16 yeah, hours. The best way to, to work with someone trustworthy is to work with someone who you know. And, yes. You know, because okay, cool. they're not going to want to fuck you. Right. Um, so, so I, so that, that manager, I absolutely love. She's actually a very, very dear friend of mine still to this day. And she um, introduced me to an agent who I loved um, and I ended up booking, uh, a movie called someone great, uh, on Netflix. I had auditioned for a larger part that RuPaul Charles, um, ended up getting instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us the year here that, that Netflix, you're, you're where? Um, I want to say that it's like tw- 2017 or 2018. Is when gotcha. someone great happened. Gotcha. So like, you know, and, and this is, um, this is like, so it's like two years after grad school of like feeling like I'm slogging and like, there's no traction and what am I doing? And, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? And, oh, I don't have a representation that understands me. And I'm going and These for- are all things that like, it seems like every actor hits yeah. these chapters, right? Yeah. Totally. I- I'm going in for things that, don't make sense for me. And now this casting director is going to think that I don't know who I am and like what I bring to the marketplace, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I have this team who I love. And then uh, summer 2018, maybe I get a call from my agent that she's retiring in the business. And I am like, okay, well, like, you know, what do I do? Yeah. Like, great. I'm really happy for you. Thank you so much. And she's like, if there's anything I can do, like, of course I will. A new fucking agent. Thank you. I think you're fabulous. And like, like I, again, but also congrats, but also I'm freaking out. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to handle this at the time. Like, okay. Like, you know, I'm really, really happy for you. Like, uh, okay, it's fine. We've been here before. We'll get through it again. A month later, my manager tells me that she doesn't want to be a manager and she actually wants to be a producer. So she's leaving the management company. So, oh my God. Uh, that's good. So I internally am screaming. Um, and crying and screaming and crying and screaming and crying and then laughing at myself. Um, and you know, I'm like, okay, well fuck me. Like I just filmed this Netflix movie. I, I was like in my mind had like fantasized that like, this was going to be a moment for me. This was going to be something to help project me forward. And here I am. Every booking. Every booking. (laughs) Will lead to every booking. Um, and I, you know, lost my entire team. Um, and my manager, my former manager at this point set me up with a couple of other people, a couple of other managers. Um, I had one meeting that was like amazing. We had so much chemistry only at the end of the meeting for her to literally go, right. So I'm not signing anybody right now, but like, I really love you. Cool. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I was like, 
here for an hour and a half and like you're all thank you can you validate my parking right like, sorry we don't validate uh, uh, so have a I, great day ben i'm so sorry we don't validate love like, you I'm so sorry. I'm I'm twenty dollars um so then i God. reach out to another connection and I, uh, you know, I'm like, I, I just filmed this Netflix movie. Like, I, I like, I, I have to have representation because I don't want to be on like Actors Access and like going to CASD and like all of that stuff. It at that point, like, I was getting so overwhelmed and downtrodden at the thought of doing that. Um, and I think like it requires a spe- specific personality to be able to pursue this career in that way. And it's so fucking admirable, but I am so hypercritical of myself that like, I just, I can't like any time that I had been in a position where I was like, I'll just submit myself. I like, you know, self-sabotage essentially. So I ended up having a meeting with a manager at untitled. Um, and we click enough And I'm like, okay, great. We'll do it. Like, it's great. Great. So then I, like, we had like a year or so of auditions, a year and a half or so of auditions. And the auditions are, you know, I'd say like, they're very quality auditions. And I'd say that like one in every nine is really good for me. But my, communication with this manager is really um, a struggle. Like uh, it, it's not open and free flowing. Um, it doesn't feel personable. I don't feel like this is a person, this is a collaborator and something that I, you know, like cut to today, my current team, like I feel so fortunate because the managers that I work with now, I would choose as friends. Like yeah. I, I talk to them on the phone and I'm like, I love both of them. Like we can shoot the shit. There's no weirdness in communication. We're all aligned on, in terms of like what the goals are, what we should be doing, like uh, aesthetically, like all of the above, you know? So this previous manager um, basically like it fizzles out. It fills out because nothing happens and we're in COVID and yeah, COVID hits and it's like, who knows like when we're going to be on set again. Oh my God. So like very quick segue, (laughs) but I, I credit this to, I think like keeping me in the game when COVID hit, I, um, I opened a bakery out of my place as like a second business. Um, and I had always heard in, uh, my training programs that if you could do anything besides act, you should, because it's really, really hard. And to be an actor, you've really got to focus. Um, and that had, I think stopped me from ever like figuring out like what a B plan may be. So COVID hits, I start this bakery at sweet boy, sweetboy.com. <clears throat> if you're in Los Angeles, um, and I've he, seen your cinnamon buns on Instagram. They look incredible. Thank you. Um, you know, so I'm keeping myself super, super busy. Um, still with this manager. Uh, like I'm getting, I'm like reading scripts as much as humanly possible. 
basically I get a hold of uh, the fact that Don't Look Up is filming in Boston. And like, I, I gotta, I gotta figure out like a day play on that. I gotta figure it out because like I'm a local hire. Like I, you know, it just, it, I'm, and where like, did you see that at? World, you know? Where did you see that at? Um, online. I just did research in terms of what's filming in each city. Dude, it's pretty like that information good is, for super, you. is super tangible. If you just Google yep. and hunt, I'm a bit of a sleuth. Or go on to a uh, SAG and look at the show sheets and it gives you the dates. Everything is there. Yep. Totally. So um, I, I feel like there's a lot of resources that people are not aware that they have yeah. if they're like union members. Like yeah. there's a lot of shit on SAG that is there's a lot of crazy beneficial to you. Yes. And you have to also like play the mental game with yourself of like, well, you know, I'm happy to do all of this, even if none of it pans out. You know, and I was, yeah. and I was at the, and I was at the point. But it's like you said earlier, there are times where you're like, what can I be doing? I need to be proactive. I know my representation is submitting me for things. They're also doing that probably in the market that I'm in. Why don't I think outside of the box? What else can I be doing? Okay. What's filming where? Well, Boston. I'm a local hire. Hello. What's filming in Boston? Holy shit. Hey rep. But you know what I mean? It's, it's those things where you're helping. You actually have the opportunity to help yourself. Might as well. A hundred percent. You know, you have to, because if you're not going to do it, no one's going to do it. Yeah. So how did, um, how did everything with don't look up transpire then? We reached out to casting and they were like, he'd be good for potentially these three parts. Put yourself on tape, put myself on tape for all three of the parts. And isn't that what you did that? That is fucking amazing. That is but that's what we talk about when we say the hustle. It's all that shit behind the scenes that people don't see. And you go, how can I ha- help myself? And not just wait for the email or for the phone to ring. How do you be proactive? And you said, that's filming in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Huge director, huge cast, if there ever was one. My God. How do I get on that? Let's fucking call him. Completely. And then you got to read for it. Yeah. And then I heard nothing. And I was kind of just like, okay, well, like, I'm proud of myself. And like, we did it anyway. And yeah. Who cares? And then Shit, it- half the battle is getting to be able to put yourself on tape or to totally. even be seen. Totally. And if they're aware for the future, oh, it didn't work out on this show with Ben, but we do know that he's a local hire. So in the future, if something yeah. comes around. We know he's a local hire. He can come from the LA goal, and take care of himself. Yeah. So we have Ben for the future. That's the still goal smart. Is, the goal is to get into the room. Uh, like that's all you wanted to do was I just need the chance. If I don't yeah. have the chance, I'm always going to be like, God damn it. I should have gotten at you least a, a swing at it. But here you are. You made your yeah. own success in this, in this particular, you know, job. I mean, you made your own success. And I was aided by like, you know, by a few people that were really instrumental in helping that happen, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I think like, again, it's like at camp, if you don't vote for yourself or team captain, like nobody's going to vote for you. Right. Like I'm very much, I believe in that. I think like, if you aren't, if you aren't leading the charge, if you aren't steering the ship, like the ship's going to, 
Um, and, and so, okay. So I hadn't, I didn't hear anything and then found out that I had booked like two lines in a, uh, Kristen Bell movie, which was awesome. And then booked uh, a scene in Lena Dunham's movie, Shark Stick, uh, excuse me, Shark Stick. Um, and she's like the most magical. <laughs> he said Shark's Dick. I was like. Shark's Dick. No, Shark's Dick. <laughs> My throat's dry. Um, and then out of nowhere, like a month and a half after I had submitted for Don't Look Up, we got an email that was like, okay, well, Adam wants him. For this part, um, these are the dates. And by the way, like, you know, his main scene is with Leo, Jennifer, Lawrence, and Ariana Grande. And when you recorded, you didn't have that information that no, they No, no would... fucking clue. No clue. You know, because they're, they're like dummy sides. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. not dummy sides, but they're like, redact- they're heavily redacted. Yeah. Now it's this- so weird with auditions, you know, sometimes you audition for stuff and I'm aware that I'm, it's the sides in the film. I watched the film. Like that was all it. I'm very aware of the superstar that I would be acting across. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, That's sometimes cool. they're incredibly open with that information. And other times you're like, I, I don't know what this is. I, I, I do for- see who the director is, but right. I don't know what the fuck anything else is. And then other times you're like, Oh, I'm like, for me, I was like, I'm going in for this film opposite Natalie Portman, who's playing Jackie Onassis. And like it, in the film, the whole thing was there and it was like, it was all out there and it was okay. You know, you go to the audition and you're very aware of what it's going totally. to be. And sometimes it's not. So how much of a holy shit moment was that for you? Oh, beyond. It was insane. Also, like I also, I, I auditioned for a movie, um, to like to be in a scene opposite Natalie Portman, but I didn't know it was Natalie Portman. And Natalie Portman is like my closet crush. So like when I found out <laughs> that was Natalie Portman, I shot myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't it messy. That. Yeah, no, it was. Okay. It was a pretty messy. It was a it was a messy afternoon for myself. Messy. Um, shit. So yeah, when I when I found out who was in that scene, I was like, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now you, we have these, we have these auditions. You probably have a thousand of them in your first 10 years or whatever. And you're just like, you're so close. You get a call back or you, you went on this audition. You tried to get the local hire. You'd all these swings, misses, swings, misses, mm-hmm. swings, misses. And here you are at this point, finally, where it's like, it's actually the no's are part of it. It's 99% no, oh it's 90, 99% trying and not, not getting the successful Thing that you think by the, by the way this was this was not the first time that i had tried to be hired as a local hire somewhere right you know that was something that's that my I point was like, so so you're thinking when it's actually happening is this like do you even trust it because of how many times i i guess i would i would for a moment just be like it's this is actually the thing because you've been given this carrot so many times they're like here what, it is what's and the not catch only that, one yeah, two three you got it yeah. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm an actor, (laughs) right? A hundred percent. Like, I mean, I think for me, I was like, just stay present. Don't think about like all of the times it didn't work. Don't think about like all of the times in the future that it won't work. You know, just like be in the present moment and try to savor the fact that it did happen this time. 
because it's so important to store all of all of those wins, whether or not it's booking the job or getting a call back or even getting into a new room and like making fans of an office. Mm-hmm. You know, like there yeah. are so many, so many kinds of wins to collect. And I don't think people talk about that enough. And oftentimes as an actor, like nobody knows. Nobody knows that you were like the second choice for like this movie yeah. starring whomever. That's true. And- Interesting. I, I never think about that. You know, like in sports or like, like college, it's like it, he got, it's a second all American something or other, or it's like a nomination for whatever. If you're, if you're it's between you and someone else and it always kind of just has gone to the other name or whatever it was, nobody oh. knows how close you got to yeah. link later or Spike Lee or whatever. I mean, nobody knows. I've- I was in, I was in. It's not in the deadline article. No. Ben Seidel was the runner up, but didn't get it. Maybe we'll see him next year. Like, no, like I was, I was final two for two huge projects this past year. And like, that was gutting, but it was also a massive win, you know, and it took me a really long time to be able to like digest it as a win and not a disappointment because yep. we are, we are trained to think that like your validity is and comes from the booking, which is not true. Your validity. Because is you have to think maybe this is maybe not getting this is the beginning of my relationship with this casting director. And down the line, it might be for something bigger or better or puts me at a series regular or a star of something, but I didn't get that thing way back then, but that began the time when they started rooting for me. I mean, my sister like gave me a mantra this past year that I hold very, very tight, which is rejection is protection. If it's not meant for you, it's not meant for you. And you weren't supposed to do it. And I think, I think, yeah, that's the only thing you have to think about. Well, anytime that you've gone into a casting office, not gotten the role, but you booked a role in that casting office anytime after that, then when you came in and didn't get the role was a huge win. So why can't we say like Robin getting Gotham the year before he didn't get whatever show that he was desperately wanting to get over here. And then totally he, that's just part of it. And that perspective is such a professional perspective and i don't know how that you know nobody talks about it right because again we're we do on this show all the time (laughs) people like scream it from a megaphone because you know culturally we are taught that what an achievement is and isn't and specifically as an actor so much of the work is not seen and like you know it eats at your like self worth and validity, you know, and because so- you go home for the holidays and people are like, so what are you, what are you working on? Uh, you know, nothing at the moment, but I'm auditioning a lot. Oh mm-hmm. no, no, no. That's a fucking good right. thing because there are people who aren't. <laughs> so like Holy. just getting in the, those are, but if you're not an actor, I understand why your yeah. brain would go that way. But if you are an actor, it's like, no, no, no. That's great. Yeah. I'm being seen. Like that's the goal, 100%. you know. I also I also think there's like weird shame in terms of like, yeah, we're always we're taught in like high school theater that there are no small parts. But, you know, I also think there's like that piece 
going home where somebody sees you and you have two lines and something and they're like, Oh, like you're not the star. And you're like, do you understand the work that it takes literally to get that, those two lines? Like I beat out 4,000 people to get those two lines, you dick. (laughs) Literally. Co-star roles. Just if you go to the bottom, right, for TV of like co-star roles. Yeah, it's so hard. Thousands of people submitted for that one role that was, hey, don't fucking hit me, whatever the line is, right? Totally. Or a silent co-star, like you said at the beginning of our recording today, like a silent co-star and you don't say shit. You know, and so thousands, thousands audition, and then twenty get brought in. Four do the callback, and one person gets it. It has to go through the casting director, the director, the producers, the studio. How many things have to align so that it's you? And it's like, hey man, don't bump into me. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. People have no lines, idea. Huh? Hmm. It's yeah, well, I'm gonna get fucking residuals on it. So suck a dick. You know, well, also, and also, like culturally, I think we're trained to allow people to take our self worth as actors because Terrible. we do not hold the cards the majority of the time, which is why it's so important to do everything you can to make something happen for yourself, whether that's asking a friend for a favor or writing a short or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list is endless in terms of that. You know, and that can often feel like screaming into a void, but it's really fucking important. And nobody talks about that. You know, they talk about, well, like, how many TV credits do you have? You know, like, what are you doing next? And it's like, you know, it's part of the reason, like, I, on social media, and like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like, I'm of the mindset, like, you book a job, you're allowed to, like, post a thing from set, post a poster and like, sure, post on your story if something happens, but like leave other actors alone. Like I don't need to see your booked and blessed things, not because I'm not happy for you, but most people in this industry don't understand how to calibrate and not compare themselves to that. I have so many friends that get so downtrodden by like, oh my God, this this person's posting this and this person's posting that. And I'm not saying we have to operate and only think about like everybody who's seeing, seeing it, like you do need to think about yourself and it is important. It is important to pump yourself up. However, I just think this industry is so comparative and the sensitivity to each other has, is like basically muted in terms of like, how do you act in regards to the other actors that, you know, are working their asses off, you know? And like, what do you actually need to say? Like, cool. I'm in this movie. Like, I don't need to post about it every day. You know, I don't need a selfie on set every day of this experience. Like, I don't need, like, that's, like, why are you doing that? It's so weak, man. Well, it's because they've identified acting in the role as something that is theirs and happy and 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 I'm fulfilled now. But the the fact is, when I see the the set life, actor's life, book blessed, that tells me you're not a fucking legitimate professional actor because you know what people go to their jobs and they come home and they don't need to like get the likes in order to feel good we feel good already just as is and part of the progress of like the first 10 years is getting to that point where i am just as happy right now 
as when I get this call that says, you got to call back, the director wants to meet you, whatever. And when that happened, everything changed for me. And it was me doing something for someone else, totally. completely unrelated to what this was. And, and that's, I think, when you're able to handle it on set. Maybe you're not getting called in because you're all booked, blessed. This is what I'm doing on this new web series. It's like, cool, great. But can you be a pro and just totally. – <laughs> Christian Stolte, he did that on – uh, Chicago Fire. He's like, get the fuck off set. Like, get off the booked and like, blessed bullshit. It's it's bullshit, and that doesn't mean that you can't celebrate a win. Celebrate a win, like a thousand percent. Own the win. But there's winning, and there's bragging. Right. That gloating there's, is just. And I no, I feel like it's like when I see people post like that. At this point, I've done enough work on myself where like I can acknowledge if like, Ooh, I have a spike of like jealousy or anxiety. <laughs> like, oh, what are they auditioning for? Like I didn't have an audition this week or this month or, you know, who fucking knows. But I just, I think that like we as actors need to be more caring about a community of actors and how it often feels like we're pieces of meat and like, it's important to take into consideration that like, yeah, I booked this job, but there were three other guys that almost booked this job. And there were, you know, I'm bad at math, 16 other guys that got called back. And there were a thousand other people that auditioned. And also after I do this job, I'm back on the grind. And I'm back yep. than I was before. And I'm not on set life, you know, and booked in black. <laughs> yeah. And like you've got other day. plates spinning because you're a professional and this isn't the end all be all. So that when people walk into an audition and this is the end all be all it shows and you don't book it when you when okay. you're more excited about other things out there, you've got other shit frying in the pan. You tend totally. to be, you know, a little more free and less desperate on like the, the moment of this thing. It's so important. Get your phone and take pictures and do this and send it to mom. And Oh my God, just go to work. Totally. Just go to totally. work. And, that, and, and that's, that's why I brought up Sweet Boy, my baking business, because literally I started that and, and the importance of every audition was gone. I was like, oh. I'm just going to have fun. When you've got because other things a, going on, Ben, it's like the last I thing got cinnamon mind, rolls in the right? oven. Let's go. There's a lot Literally, of shit to like, do. Right. Okay, three takes and we're done. Let's go. I got a light. I have a cake to glaze. Let's go. Right. Literally. Exactly. Like, I don't have time for this. And like, you know, I, I, I'm doing this <laughs> because I love it and it's fun. So I'm going to have fun doing it and I'm going to move on. And if I hear, awesome. And if I don't, sucks. Next. Sometime, most of the time, actors can't get to that point. Some... It could be decades and decades to that point, but you've gotten it. Here you are. Uh, I mean, and, Tommy, and that's where I am today. Let's well, yeah, but when it's in there, it's very, it's very hard to take that out. It's, it's getting there, getting it into your head is the yes. hardest thing for actors to get. Once you know, yeah, you'll go through the ups and downs of what the fuck, why can't I just book this thing? That's human and you're an actor, but you have something else going on on the side and whatever it is, volunteering at the fucking senior center or your side business or your dog or whatever. Totally. Um, you have to find something you're passionate about because that has nothing to do with acting. Also like people want to work with well-rounded people. Right. <laughs> You know, and like the myth that I heard growing up, at least of like, 
if you want to do it, if you can do anything else, do it. Like if you want to be an actor, you can only be an actor. Like that's all bullshit. It's all my dog. They did not like that. Then take it back. That scared the shit out of me. Well, that's funny. My dog just jumped off of the couch and then that happened. And I was like, what is Bentley to, Oh, nope. That was in my headphones. Um, Ben, um, as we're wrapping up, uh, what would you say to those who are coming out of school or who feel stuck right now or in a rut? What would be with all that you've lived and learned? What would be your advice for those people? Um, Start a bakery. Yeah, start a bakery. I mean, it's it's multifaceted. So, like, find something else that you love that you can do congruently because it will inform your work. Two, don't wait for anyone to give you a chance. Uh, three, take ownership of what you can. So, know your lines. Build, build the world around your audition tape. If you think your character would have a prop, even if it's not in the script, use a prop, whether it's on camera or not. Like when you audition, that's your opportunity to act and do what you like. Our job is to audition. When we get to set, that's a different part of the job. It's a great part of the job. It's what the, the part of the job we like dream about, but your job is to audition. So find a way to enjoy auditioning because that's what we're doing the majority of the time. And I also, love that. Your job is auditioning. Yes. Yeah. And also like find a community of people that remind you who you are, why you're doing this, that you're talented, that you're valuable, that you're worthy and that you deserve to be seen and that you are you for a reason as like Oprah, as that sounds like you're the only you. So bring you to it because they're going to cast you, not an idea of a character. It sounds nuts, but once you see actors who book, you're like, oh, they were supposed to book that. That was perfect. They are uh, they are casting you in your most imperfect, perfect self. You're exactly 100%. what they're looking for, and there's no one else coming in that room. The key is to get the brand, be self-aware so yeah. that you know who you are, you and work. exploit yourself. 100%. <laughs> Love it. Ben Seidel, where can people find you? At Seidel <laughs> on Instagram. My dogs. Stop it. They also have an Instagram account, but I won't give it to you because that's obnoxious. No. Um, I don't know. And and in Los Angeles. But I'm also a local hire in Boston and New York. <laughs> can you can Amazing. you go with your ba- your bakery handle again? Oh yeah, it's at Sweetboy, and the website is sweetboy.com. Ben Seidel, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fantastic. What a great conversation. Thank you guys. I really, really appreciate you asking me to come on. I had a really wonderful time. And Absolutely. now we, we know, we know that now you booked this big movie that you're going to get something really great right after, because we know that's what happens. Totally. God, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting it all right now. <laughs> Bye Ben. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> That was great. What a uh, man! I just I love <clears throat> that story of the initiative with the Boston hire. That's fucking incredible. So now you have someone who's like, I mean, easily their biggest credit just got an Oscar nomination for picture and writing, yeah. and I think director today. 
Yeah. And because he had the audacity opposite, to open up deadline <laughs> opposite fucking the biggest pop star in the world and right. two Academy Award winning actors. And it was all because he was like, oh, we should look into that because he said it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, you got this audition. He was like, I'm a local hire, took the initiative, found out about it and said, hey, let's look into it. Incredible. It's, Love yeah, that. It, tells, it, it reminds me that there's so much in your control. We try to abandon control left and right in order to like, you know, really do this right. But at the same, there's another type of control that is totally at your fingertips and it's get the new headshots, send that email to the, I hate reaching out to people saying, Hey, I know you might have a couple of reps that you might like working with. Do you, do you, can you refer me to anybody? I hate asking for help, but that's how a lot of people get repped, get in the room. They have to use what they know. And it is all about who you know. And the person crossed your path yesterday just so happens to blah, blah, blah. And you blah. never know. You don't. You know? You never know. You never know. All right. All right, Tommy, take us home. Okay. Well, that's that's that. You can find out more about Before the Break and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. Check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com. You can follow him at that Adam DeCarlo. You can see my stuff at tommybeardmore.com and follow me at Tommy Beyond. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating, and write a review. If you like what you heard, check back next week for an all-new episode with an all-new guest. Okay. All righty. That was a good one. Yep. Bye, Tommy. Adios, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.